episode of Dad's Right. Alright, so still uh, working with a quasi-functional iPad, so <laughs> no mics yet, but uh, just the iPad mic, which is okay. It's fine. It works. Yeah, it's, it's okay. You get a lot of other best stuff, like we'll hear more dogs and whatnot, but we'll see. So be it. Yeah, maybe the dogs will be quiet. Probably not, but maybe they'll be quiet for the whole thing. It's been uh, uh, what, almost a month, I guess. Yeah, just a little uh, over shy. a month, I think. Under. August 31st, wasn't it? Oh, 30? Oh. oh, yeah, no, you're right. I think it was August 31st. Yeah, so a few days under. Uh, which is good. It's like almost regular, once a month. <laughs> it's not just as random. We can say it's... Uh, Monthly. Uh, yeah, exactly. We get one a month. And so uh, things have happened. We have a few things to talk about. I actually have a list. Sometimes I just off the cuff it, but uh, there was a few few things that have happened um, since then. And uh, the, the, the trend is conservatism, I think. <laughs> At least the things I want to talk about and uh, across several countries. Um, let's start farthest away from here. Sort of a world tour, and I mean that in the band sense, so North America and Europe. Um, but let's start in Italy. Italy just had an election, and they use a crazy electoral system where they... That's not surprising. <laughs> they have, like, some proportion, like, proportional seats, and then just also a crazy amount of first-past-the-post seats. And th- so the I feel the like results, Yeah, like, the result doesn't end up being proportional at all. So it's like, why have any proportional yeah. yeah like it's and i'm not saying they should just stick with first past the post i'm saying get rid of the first past the post and do an actual proportional system um uh, and this election produced an interesting result the brothers of italy party which had uh just uh, a handful of seats in the last parliament um in fact it might have only been one and was the only party not in the government coalition in the last parliament. Um, they had a crazy, crazy co- like Everybody it, else is in the coalition? Every other party was in the coalition, yeah. What's the point of that? If they uh, only had one seat. It, <laughs> so they're the official opposition? The one, the one guy sitting across was, the floor was the official opposition and everybody else was on the other side? It was probably more. Um, actually, uh, but, okay. Uh, let, me, let me take a look at this election results. What was their last... Uh, Either way, I mean, I just don't see the point of that. Yeah, it was only 18 seats. It wasn't just one, it was 18. But either Um, way, do you need everybody else on your side? uh, It was because Italy Italy had gone through a crazy time of, like, governments and elections and parties going crazy and stuff. Um, So the president kind of stepped in. He appointed an independent prime minister and negotiated all the parties sort of into a coalition agreement. Um, except for this one. Except for this one, to try to maintain some stability. Right. But anyway, so Brothers of Italy um, became the largest party in the Chamber of Deputies, went from 18 to 40 seats. Um, and uh, their leader, uh, a woman named uh, uh, Giorgia Maloney. So sisters of Italy? Now, right, now... Um, Brothers and sisters? Siblings of Italy. <laughs> Siblings of Italy, yes. Um She's going to be Italy's first uh, female prime minister. Um, a lot of people are concerned because this is a pretty right-wing party, um, but she has come out and said, no, we're a center-right party. We're just like a business-friendly, uh, moderate party. No one needs to worry about us. Um, 
Let's talk about the history of the party. What are they going to do to keep Venice from sinking? Probably nothing. They're not big on the climate change. Um, But let's let's talk about the history of this party briefly. Um, So it came out of a split with a different party. And the bulk of the party leadership, including the now woman who's going to be prime minister, comes from the National Alliance Party, which existed from 1995 to 2009. Now, the National Alliance Party was the heir to the Italian social movement, which existed from 1945 to 1995. And the Italian social movement was founded by former members of the National Fascist Party after it was banned. The party of Benito Mussolini. So he says legacy. Uh, in fact, this uh, now Prime Minister has uh, said that uh, Benito Mussolini was a great politician. Um, but That's not really saying much. No, <laughs> it's not. But I don't know if we want to say anything complimentary about Mussolini. Yeah, I mean, you could be a great politician and a horrible person. Yeah. You can't I, say I, I, you can't I, I, say Hitler wasn't a motivational speaker. I, I'm not even saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, do you need to say it? Like, why why talk about it? Why bring up? I don't if in any sort of positive. Way? If it's just why out bother? of the blue, like, so what are you gonna do? Well, first of all, I want to thank Mussolini. <laughs> That's a little bit. I would agree with you. If it was, hey, your party came from Mussolini. What do you think about it? Than that, and she was answering a question, so it depends how it came up. Okay, still, but I, I, still concerning that the the descendant of Mussolini's fascist party is now in government in Italy. Oh yeah, less than a hundred years since World War Two ended or started. Yeah, that's that not, is, it doesn't seem to be ideal. No, no, I think it's going to be. Uh, and then we see people like um, Meghan McCain in the United States. Um, uh, daughter of uh, the late Senator John McCain, say things like, everyone on the left is all for women in power until it's a conservative woman, is what she tweeted. And the responses were like, uh, no, we're just a little worried about the fascism links. <laughs> like, it's not like, uh, you know, oh, well, she's a conservative woman. It's that she has links to fascism. Well, and regardless, regardless... It's not like they're pro-conservative men and anti-conservative women. They're anti-conservatives. They're, they are left-wing. Yes. So that's just a dumb statement. Yeah, it is. It would actually be disingenuous to be pro-conservative women. Yes, exactly. To be like, uh, oh, well, you need to, uh, you know, well, I'm left-wing, but the only party led by a woman is the conservatives, so you should vote for them. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it's a ridiculous statement. Um, so yeah, that's fun. Italy, fascism, great. Uh, well, fascism light, <laughs> likely. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, we'll I, see. It's, if, if I still, are, it's not good. If they are center... They're not center right. Right. They're not. She said they are. They're not. They are classified as a right-wing to far-right party. Yeah. I think she just said that to seem more appealing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just see how they govern, and if it's not good, then uh, I, I don't think they're going to start a war. They, even, 
even if they're not outright fascist, I don't think it's going to be good. It's not going to be good. The question is, how bad will it be? Yeah. They're pretty anti-immigration. Um, so anyway, we shall see what happens in Italy. And moving over to uh, the United States. So Kingdom. are you saying you should visit now before it gets worse? So, <laughs> yes. Um, moving over to the United Kingdom, I want to say a personal thank you to Liz Truss uh, for tanking the pound so I could get it pretty cheap. Um, did you buy some? I did, yeah. It's it started to recover. Um, it's still pretty low. Uh, it started to recover, and the Bank of England today said they're going to intervene to try to improve things. Oh, so good call. I, I, I bought some. Uh, so what regularly would have cost me for uh, nearly six hundred dollars, I only had to spend four hundred and sixty dollars on. Nice. So thank you, Prime Minister Trust. Uh, that was very handy for me. Good timing. <laughs> it was great. It was very. Personally, for me, it's not great for the people of England unless they're coming home from holidays and exchanged money. No, that's bad. No, no, that's bad. They're not because they're less. going on holidays. One or the other, it's got to be good. No. Yes. No. Sure. If they're turning their one British way money, or the other, it has to be good. If, no, if it's only good if you if they're if they're coming back from holidays and have money to re-exchange then it's good yes 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 i feels like a very it's a select few a select few <laughs> it's yes. definitely a select few but a it's a minority of the population plus and i mean i i don't know what their what their situation is but it sometimes helps sports franchises and businesses a lower dollar okay well it depends on where you sell if you sell uh if you sell for example in canada if we sell most of our stuff in the u.s we pay in Canadian dollars, the company takes in US dollars, it's good for them. A low Canadian dollar, a lower Canadian dollar. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I still feel like it's the minority of the population. That, probably, uh, yeah. probably the vast majority. I mean, they, it's been pumped up for a while, I think they like it that way. Plus, yeah. it's, 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 it's probably a point of pride, as much oh, as yeah. anything. Uh, the fact that it's worth more than the US dollar. Um, Barely, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's also, it, now this all happened when, um, she introduced her mini budget. This has almost been her first sort of week as real prime minister because she was introduced as prime minister. Uh, the queen met her and then decided, I don't want to deal with this woman and she died. Um, so, which I respect. I, I would also die two days after meeting Liz Truss. Uh, it just seems preferable than actually dealing with her. Um, so, that mean that basically sent twelve days of the official mourning period, where all she had to Liz Truss had to do is dress in black and make a few like "We miss the Queen" speeches and how great she is, right? So this has been her first basically week as um, real prime minister. They introduced a mini budget where they introduced the biggest tax cut in uh, uh, decades. Uh, they eliminated entirely the top tax bracket. Um, so it just doesn't go up. It, uh, yeah, once you hit a certain amount, you don't pay anymore. Yeah, exactly. So they eliminated that top tax bracket. Um, it's looking like these tax cuts will save the lowest earners no more than a hundred dollars, a hundred pounds, I should say. Uh, a uh, year, a day, a the, month. A, a year. Um, the highest uh, income earners will now be saving thousands of pounds a year. Um, 
trickle-down economic theory, um, something that's never worked, but Liz Truss is uh, definitely a big proponent of. Um, anyway, so she announced this mini-budget. The thing, um, trickle-down might work as if you're talking about businesses, because if businesses have more money to hire more people, reinvest, maybe. If you're talking about people with high-paying jobs, they're not going to trickle it down. No, no, absolutely not. But even in businesses, like, yes, they might, they largely don't. When we see the businesses get yeah, the tax cuts... It depends. Historically, depends well, on the business. Depends on the business, but largely, in general, we saw it when Trump introduced the huge tax cuts. The people who then saw the money is the boards, CEOs, CFOs, all that, presidents, gave themselves raises. But the job, the, the, the jobless rate went down. Like, more, there was more jobs. Well, not, not super high-paying jobs, but there was more jobs. It, it's largely been a discredited economic theory. It was at least not the best. Um, and uh, certainly we saw this budget now. It was released, and within minutes, the, the, the pound plummeted. It's, uh, people clearly don't have confidence in it. And the Bank of England stepping in is a pretty big step. And in fact, the International Monetary Fund, which does not make political comments, basically released uh, as neutral as it can be statements saying, this is a bad idea. The, the and, budget. Yeah, the, her budget, the tax cuts, all that, saying, uh, roll this back. It's not good. And the IMF is not like a big left-wing organization. They are a business-friendly center-right-to-right-wing when it comes to economics uh, organization. And so because of this, uh, Labour, the Labour Party in the UK, which has struggled over the past 12 years, they haven't been in power since the early 2000s, has opened up a 17-point lead over the Conservatives wow. in the latest poll, which is huge. That is a big lead. That is a big lead. And supposedly, two weeks in, MPs are already submitting letters, Conservative MPs are already submitting letters of no confidence in Liz Truss, which is how Boris Johnson was ousted. How did it... How did she get the job if they're already in no confidence? Well, that's the, the way that British Conservatives elect their leader. In Canada, you know, we have a leadership election. It goes to the membership and using the ranked ballot, they elect a leader. Yes? In Britain, the way they do it is members announce they're going to be running. And then they use over several rounds of voting, the MPs, so the Conservative caucus, narrows it down. And so after each round of voting, they drop um, something like the lowest two or anyone below a certain threshold, and there's another round of voting. So these same people that are putting in letters of Well, no, confidence. no, here's the thing, because through that, that narrows it down to two. Through that, they narrow it down to two. And through all that, Liz Truss was in third all the way until the very last round of voting where she edged into second place. And then so she and a man named Rishi Sunak, who by far had the most MPs voting for him, 
went into a party membership election. Um, and then the party members picked between those two, and the party members picked Truss over Sunak. So that's how she got in, despite never having the confidence of most of the MPs. Well, then, I mean, if they didn't want her, they shouldn't have made her second. They, well... Like, they know, some, it's, they know some, it's two. Yeah, no, uh, some, some did. Some voted for her, right? Obviously. Yeah. But the majority didn't. And now they're seeing the economy tanking. They're way behind labor and polls. They don't have confidence. The interesting is, though, thing is, though, the UK doesn't have another, doesn't have another election scheduled until 2025. So there's lots of time. But the question is, can the Conservative Party keep it together enough? And frankly, I don't know if they will, but if they oust Liz Truss the same way they ousted Boris Johnson, I feel like they owe the nation an election at this point. I just keep picking people till one sticks. <laughs> it's usually like the same, I, I, it's just not fair for the same 3% of the population to keep picking the prime minister. Like most people are not members of the conservative party. Yeah. So anyway, UK, interesting things happening. Uh, King Charles. Uh, I don't imagine that the British bank steps in. Uh, like I can't, that must be an interesting conversation. They yeah. probably want the Bank of England. Yeah, it's probably yeah. pretty stuffy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, and then, of course, since the last bringing it home, uh, since the last election. Well, no, this is a bigger topic. And by election, I meant podcast. This is a bigger topic. Let's talk about one more small topic in home. Um, the BC Liberal Party, which is um, not associated with the federal Liberal Party, and unlike other provincial Liberal Parties, is actually a centre-right conservative-ish party through some historical social credit party collapsing, moving over kind of happenstance, has announced that they are changing their name. To? Uh, well, membership has to vote on it. Brothers so it's not of British Columbia? <laughs> no. BC United. Sounds like a soccer team. That's what everybody's saying. That's what everybody is saying. All over. That's because it does. So everybody all over Twitter, people are like saying, so when does BC United play Liverpool? <laughs> like, it's, and I saw somebody say it's better than the British Columbia Party, which is the other name that was being floated around. But I disagree. And I disagree because there is precedent for a conservative provincial party being called the province, province party. party. We have the Yukon Party, and which is territory, but still, the Conservative Party in the Yukon is called the Yukon Party, and we have the Saskatchewan Party in Saskatchewan that governs, and they're the Conservative Party. So I think it it, it sticks with trends. It's easy for people to understand where they are. Yeah, I don't I don't mind the British Columbia Party. I think that's better than the British Columbia United. Yeah, than BC, it than really a soccer team. It like a, <laughs> a football team. Like yeah, a, so we'll see if the members go for it. I think... Is there options? Is there, no. Is it? It's no, it's, it's BC Liberals or BC United. Oh, and so it's one or the other. So it still could remain BC Liberals. Well, if they don't choose to adopt BC United, then it will just be what it is currently. Uh, it's, that's a bad choice. It is a bad choice. Because honestly, they shouldn't stay the BC Liberals because they're not really a Liberal Party. No, and they're going to take a hit. Yeah. Just no. with that name in there. It's they, they think um, their current theory is that they are losing votes 
to the uh, British Columbia Conservative Party, which is a, uh, a minor party with no seats, um, but that in the last election stole enough votes um, to give some ridings to the NDP that the Liberals might have won otherwise. Right. Uh, so the British, uh, the, the, their new leader, um, when he was elected, one of the things he said is, let's change the name. That's one of the things I want to do. Um, so now they're going to and be... And is he a big football fan? <laughs> he must be, right? Um, he has an interesting name. It's Kevin Falcon. Kind of a neat name. Yeah. Um, terrible name for the party, though. He made a bad choice. It, it, they should have just gone with the British Columbia Party. It was right there. Yeah, it was lots obvious. Lots of choices that are way better. Yeah. Like, that's, a, that's a bad name. Yeah. It's, it is. It is but I kind of hope they take it because it's funny. Yeah. No. It's amusing. I, uh, BC United. Wins. I feel like people who would have been fine with it after being after seeing how badly it's being mocked will be like maybe we shouldn't have this as the name. Yeah, well, they just won't care. They, I, 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 I think they'll change it. If those are the two options, I think they'll change it because you, you you can't be associated with the Liberal Party if you're not liberal. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see what happens. And then, yes, since the last podcast, Pierre Polyev was elected resoundingly. 68, 69? Something high up there. Yes. It wasn't 70. No. It was high 60s. Which was higher. Like, I thought he was going to be elected first ballot. That was still higher than what I thought. John Shray came in second with 16%. It wasn't a close race. No. He, Jean Charest, of 338, Jean Charest won, I think it was eight ridings, and Pierre Polyev won the other 330? No, some, oh, did, was that just it? Nobody yeah. else even won a riding? No, no, nobody else even won a riding. That was it. Oh, good for Jean. It, <laughs> um, Kept it from being so, a clean sweep. <laughs> did he really? Barely. Um, it might have even only been six. Pierre Polyev might have won 332, I don't remember exactly. Um, so he's, he's leader now. Uh, pretty resoundingly. I think it's going to be, because it was so resounding, it will be hard to get rid of him, um, even after an election loss. Like, this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And it, he won't lose. We'll see. I will, we'll see. The, he won't lose. Uh, well, there's lots of time. If, if, he, thing. if he's... I, what I think, anyway, after watching... We watched the... Uh, his, his acceptance speech. We watched the whole thing that night, and uh, quite a... Quite a bit of it, anyway. The talk uh, beforehand yeah. and stuff. We yeah, watched yeah. quite a bit of it, and then watched his acceptance speech, and and it was a really good speech. It was like he, it was impressive. He in one speech, he pandered to Quebec youths, Federalists, um, uh, conspiracy theorists. A little bit, but he's mostly stayed out of that. Mostly, but yeah, which is uh, the opposite of his campaign, where he pandered to conspiracy theorists a lot. Um, generally, nationalists. Um, he had a line about protecting. Uh, uh, he had a great line, I thought, that pandered to so many people at once, saying that Canada can learn about protecting its values from Quebec. Yeah. Um, which great, which yeah, and just in that line, you pandered to Quebec um, and people who consider them like hardcore patriots and it's like coded language honestly to appeal to white nationalists um i don't know maybe 
Well, even if he didn't mean that, you know, those type of people who are considering looking at conservative are going to look at that and say, oh, this is what he means. It's a bit of a leap. But you're right. But white but nationalists they... don't think logically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's great pandering. And now in the few federal polls that have been released since um, his election, uh, the conservatives are ahead at, um, at the expense of the PPC. They've drawn, you know, the PPC won 5% of the vote uh, in the last election, and they've taken uh, 4 to 3% of that, uh, which is booping, bumping them into the, uh, booping them, <laughs> bumping them into the high 30s, and uh, certainly place in the minority territory, in some of the polls, thin majority. Um, but <clears throat> we saw before 2019 and 2018, uh, sorry, 2019 and 2020, 21, the Conservatives ahead in the polls, and then it, um, uh, or, or actually, um, the Conservatives ahead in the polls during the election, but then uh, the Liberals end up making up the ground near the end. Because the NDP <coughs> gets, the people say they're going to vote NDP end up voting Liberal because they get scared of conservatism. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I don't see a world where Pierre Polyev wins a majority government. I think um, he might. I, I just don't, I, I don't see a world really where many parties win a majority government. It's just so hard now, especially with a strong bloc, because you don't find those seats in Quebec anymore. Yeah, he just he feels like he is, like you say, he's already talking to Quebec, yeah. which hasn't happened really conservatives in a while, so yeah. he, might, he might make some inroads there. And as long as, I think, I think He's got to talk like he did on that election night. Stay away from the conspiracy theories and things like that. Uh, you can be anti-policy, um, anti-government policy. Everybody, all the rest of them are. So you can you can not like the policies around the vaccines, but you know it's different than saying you know we're getting chipped or whatever. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you can, as, as long as he sticks to the policies and, and criticizing the policies, I heard somebody. I don't know if it's true. I didn't look it up. I heard somebody say we were the only G seven with an internal travel ban. I don't know if that's true either. Yeah, but you know, I mean that that you can be critical of something like that, and as long as you stay away from the real far fringes and don't put yourself out there. I think he might win a majority. He's definitely a better speaker than Trudeau is. Yeah, he's a good speaker, 100%. The problem is if he stays away from that for two years, he might lose that PPC vote that he get back in the... Uh, but he'll gain, I think he'll make bigger gains from the liberals, that from frustrated liberals. Maybe, maybe we'll see. I, I just worry that, you know, the problem that both Andrew Scheer and Aaron O'Toole have, and I'm not, I'm not convinced... Um, Pierre Polyev won't have, is they make gains uh, against the Liberals and the NDP, from both the Liberals and the NDP, out West, where they already win all the seats. Like, like the difference, in our first-past-the-post system, the difference between winning a seat by 1% and 25% Makes no difference. is zero. It doesn't matter how much you win the seat by, right? Yeah. So when they make those gains, what we saw with Aaron O'Toole and Andrew Scheer, they made huge gains in the West. It just didn't translate to that many more seats. Yeah. What they need to do is get rid of first pass votes. Yeah. And that and and you know a lot of people are saying another few elections where the conservatives win the popular vote 
but that doesn't translate to the seats and they might come around. Um, I think a few of them already have, um, but uh, just can't be vocal about it because it's not party policy. Uh, so, but we'll see. I mean, again, two years, lots can happen. Uh, he has had a busy two weeks. Uh, the day after he was announced leader, uh, maybe it was two days, a um, top Quebec MP uh, resigned as a conservative, uh, saying that he didn't trust Pierre Polyev, couldn't go the direction of the party. Um, and then a few days after that, a senator resigned uh, his party membership. Uh, that was less important because he's a senator and doesn't have a real job. And nobody cares. Um, yes. <laughs> I would, I would, yeah. And if he comes out against the Senate, uh, he might have my vote. <laughs> <laughs> he won't come out against the Senate. No, none of them will. It's too difficult. I just, I, amending the constitution is impossible. Just change it so that they're elected then. Then they actually have to do. do something. That you could do. But, Rather uh, than just be favors jobs. Like they don't, don't, don't trust the conservatives on that. It was one of uh, Stephen Harper's early promises was to make the Senate elected, which he never did. Yeah. And then he said, oh, well, I'm just never going to appoint senators then. Basically said, I'm going to ignore the Senate. And then he appointed a shit ton of senators. Of course he did. Yeah. Oh, no, no, absolutely. Everybody does. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Because you have to pay back your buddies that got you elected in the cushy jobs where you don't do anything. I, I would actually say that um, the Trudeau government has been the best government we've ever had on the Senate because Trudeau um, kicked all liberal senators out of the party, made them all sit as independents, and he set up a independent council chaired by former Prime Minister Kim Campbell, a progressive conservative, who, when Senate vacancies open up, they take applications, review, and then say to the Prime Minister, this is you should appoint, and that's the Prime Minister appoints it's better, but why not just elect them? No, we I have elections anyway. I agree, it should be elected. I don't think it's enough, but like you said, it's better. And if you want and to make it, they get two terms, so you only have to vote for them every other election. Yeah. yeah fine. Like like eight years. Yeah. Sort of like how U.S. senators have six years. Yeah. Um, fine. But I don't understand why we don't vote for them. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's not a, I think it'd be pretty simple for Canadians to understand it's we, we yeah. all understand how it happens in the U.S. Right? Like it's it's actually one fewer offices to vote for than you vote in the U.S. The only issue might be, and this might be why they don't do it. If they're elected, all of a sudden they feel they got to do something to get votes, and then the government might have trouble actually passing bills. Because right now, ultimately, be it conservative or be it liberals, whatever the government puts through. The Senate rubber stamps. Yes, and uh, nothing gets stuck in the Senate. And but, that has been the biggest argument against uh, against having the Senate be elected is, you know, what if you get a conservative Senate and a liberal government? Nothing gets done. Nothing gets Happens done in the U.S. I agree. So yeah. back to abolish the Senate. Or I would argue um, keep the Senate independent. Elect the Senate like you elect legislatures of Nunavut and Northwest Territories, and then people can kind of, you know, they're not like forced to vote the party line. You can negotiate um, and keep things, uh, uh, you know, keep things moving. There is also currently constitutional protections to allow the House of Commons to override the Senate if they reject something too many times. Yeah, well, there you go. So you don't need it. It's, it's harder to override the Senate. I think you might need more votes. So if the government mm -hmm. doesn't have like a two-thirds majority. Then it's but, basically uh, a filibuster sort of situation. It is. Say that's 
you don't want an effective government either, which is what the state ends up with a lot. No. But I do think, you know, if we need two things, right? If you had the elected Senate and proportional representation, nobody's getting a majority anyway. And if the House of Commons wants to override the Senate, um, maybe they just have to make a few more compromises to get another party on board, which is not always a bad thing. Yeah. Um, you know, um, there's a lot less hostility between parties in countries with proportional representation because you know I might sit at the cabinet table with those people one day, right? Um, so you, uh, you tend to uh, be more willing to compromise and just more able to talk to people yeah. um, as opposed to the conservatives will never help the liberals with anything and the liberals will never help the conservatives with anything. Um, but other things happened in uh, Pierre Polyev's first few weeks. Um, he's announced his uh, leadership team. Um, so we have, uh, again, some very clear strategic choices. Uh, he has two deputy leaders. Um, which is new, I think. I don't, yeah, think, there's I don't normally, think there's normally two. I don't think there's normally two, but he has two. So left and um, right? One of them, no, one of them is um, uh, Tim Uppel or Upal. I'm not sure how he pronounce his last name, um, but he is a uh, Edmonton MP. Uh, he is a Sikh man, um, which I think is a very strategic choice because it, um, I, uh, and I, 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 I don't want to imply Tim, who has been a longtime MP, um, uh, uh, I'm sure he's effective. I don't know anything about that. I'm sure he's a good choice. I don't want to imply he was picked uh, based on race alone, but uh, I do think it is a good look uh, for the 905, where there's a large uh, Indian population that um, Pierre needs to vote conservative to win the 905 and get a government. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure if there was, I'm sure if he wasn't qualified, that's not the, re you know, you don't necessarily do it if he's not. No, absolutely not. Because that's not good in the long run, yeah. you know, picking people on superficial reasons. Um, but I, I, I have to think it was a consideration. Uh, All things being equal. Yeah, exactly. And the other one is uh, Melissa Latzman, who is a uh, woman and a gay woman. And, uh, you know, I think both these things combat the narrative of the conservative is the old white man party. Right? So I, I, I think... Uh, and anti-gay. And anti-gay. And in fact, the only other gay conservative MP, there's only two, um, the, is a man who's also on the leadership team. I don't remember his role. It's a pretty junior role. It's not huge. I don't think he's like a sh shadow minister or anything like that. But he's on there. Uh, Eric Jehaim, I think is his name. Um, and then there's a few others, uh, none were particularly noticeable, uh, notable, but interestingly, the house leader, um, who is the man in charge of, um, you know, the house leaders get together and they, you know, in the back rooms and they talk about how the parties are going to work together and you, you know, approach other parties for the house leader, that kind of thing. Um, in our, another podcast, uh, Heather McPherson told us about house leaders yeah. because she was the deputy house leader. Uh, in the first, her first. Um, I still can't manager. believe that's not the most listened to podcast. I know that was awesome. It was the best one. That By was far. fantastic. By far, we should. We if should. you haven't heard it, go listen because it's not the most listened to. So no. some people are listening and you haven't listened to that one. We should go find it and listen to it. We should repost it, um, just like reshare it on Facebook and feel like this one's really good. Go listen to it. Um, anyway, uh, the other so the, the conservative house leader is Andrew Shear. Oh wow! Has, yeah who has become, in a way, Pierre Polyev, Pierre, Pierre Polyev's Pierre Polyev. 
Because Pierre Polyev, for previous leaders, Harper to himself was the attack dog of the Conservative Party. When you're the leader, you can't be that, really. Because then you get accused of what he's already being accused of as being vicious, a bully, mean, that kind of thing. It's not a good look. As when you want to be prime minister, you need to come across as more measured. So Andrew Scheer has kind of taken up the role. Which is bizarre because he doesn't seem like an attack. He's like no. a puppy dog. No, yeah, he's, I don't think he's going to be good at it. Um, well, good luck. But, uh, and, but, you know, it's no different than Trudeau having a 50-50 split in his, in his cabinet. Men, women. That, that, that. Tim, what, the, picking, yeah. making strategic choices when it comes to picking people around you. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody does it. And it's important, I will say, um, to have those views around your leadership table. 100%, but you can't, 50-50 isn't an accident. It's not like, oh, look at that. No, 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 not at all. I, 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 but I think it is, you know, all else being equal. And, uh, you know, when, when you have all else being equal and then you pick um, some uh, from a group that's traditionally underrepresented, um, for the sake of having the voice around the table. Absolutely. Because they do provide a perspective that you can't get. 100%. Um, so I think it's very, not only strategic, but smart. Yeah, oh yeah, okay. it's just generally a good idea. Yeah. I agree. Um, it's, uh, uh, um, but you know, when the pictures go around of this is the leadership team, there are going to be, you know, people say like, oh, maybe it's not the old white man party. And like, oh, look at that. Uh, maybe maybe I can be LGBTQ and um, be comfortable voting conservative. Um, you shouldn't be because all these people who are standing up there uh, are in caucus with homophobes and people who don't want LGBTQ people to have rights and say, uh, you know, and like, oh, well, you know, we're not going to vote on it or, oh, well, we can disagree. I don't know. You can't. I, I, in my opinion, you can't be an ally and also... Uh, help give a platform to transphobes, homophobes. Uh, well, maybe they're maybe they're hoping to change their views. Good luck with that. <laughs> some of these some of these people have been MPs since the eighties and nineties. <laughs> they're not changing their views. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, so that's the leadership team. I think he made a lot of uh, a good good choices. I, I would never vote for any of them. I think they're all. Um, uh, have to advocate for bad policy, but I can I can see why he picked them. He's also shaking up the party internals. I know less details, but I know he uh, replaced a bunch of people on the fundraising committee, and he recently replaced the top lawyer, all of his allies. Um, but I do think all these things show a leader who is um, like this. We obviously need some change because we should have won the last two elections and we didn't. So I think that is also something that, you know, we you can look at and be like, yeah, we could. It's, it's all smart stuff. Yeah. I, this is what I'm saying. If he keeps this up for two years, I can see a majority. We'll see. I'm not convinced uh, because I just don't believe anyone can win a majority. But uh, again, if he did win a slim majority, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, the other, the other thing is it's hard to pro- make some projections now because uh, by the next election we'll have new, probably, probably by the next election, we'll have uh, new ridings and boundaries and some of them are changing dramatically. So who knows how they'll vote, right? Yeah, and and yeah, and a lot can happen in two years. Who knows yeah. what Trudeau could. will do? Who knows if there'll be another pandemic? Like who, who yeah. knows? It's, uh, honestly, it, it could be... Um, you know, he could, uh, Pierre Polyev could go back to how he was during the campaign 
um, when he's pushed and get too many moments of embracing conspiracy madness and stuff and lose. Or he could just, you know, be the leader for two years. And by the end of two years, people are kind of used to him and he doesn't have the same new appeal. Uh, so we'll see. A new car smell. Yeah, exactly. The only other thing I want to bring up with Polyev is um, a man named Jeremy McKenzie. Jeremy McKenzie is one of the leaders of a crazy conspiracy group in Canada. Um, and uh, Pierre Polyev has had, during the leadership campaign, a bit of an issue when he uh, shook hands with him and took pictures with him. And he was criticized and he said, I shake hands with thousands of people. I take pictures with thousands of people. It would be impossible to vet every single person before they come up. And I get that. You're the leadership, you're running, you're shaking hands, kissing babies, that kind of thing. You're not necessarily, you know, you know, it's not like he invited him at a formal sit down meeting. Jeremy McKenzie went to an event, shook his hand, you know, had a picture, whatever. Yeah. Um, that was his defense. He didn't apologize. He didn't even condemn Jeremy McKenzie, which uh, I think was a mistake. But, uh, um, but, but I do understand you don't have a chance to vet every single person on the campaign trail. Yeah. Fine. Uh, Jeremy McKenzie then threatened the reporter, I'm sorry, not the reporter, a reporter um, around the same time. And the reporter said to Pierre Polyev, it was the Global News, uh, I think. And the reporter said to Pierre Polyev, will you condemn this now? Will you, will you condemn Jeremy McKenzie? And uh, Pierre Polyev sent a response saying, um, well, since you, you know, uh, um, basically you're a liberal hack and uh, you constantly attack everyday ordinary Canadians who are expressing their rights and blah, 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 that kind of thing. Um, and I guess Global News is content with just being a shill for the Liberal Party. That's weird. Yeah. Um, and then, recently, Jeremy McKenzie was caught on video that circulated, or maybe he tweeted something, I'm not sure, but it, everybody knows he did this. Um, he threatened to... And, and, and I, I, I think it was a joke supposed to be a joke it's still not a good joke but it, it wasn't like he's like violently anti-polyev and is like um you know thing. but basically he made a joke about um raping pierre polyev's wife that's not a joke no no it's, it's, not it's funny. no it's not funny and i'm not saying it's funny but like i'm not saying like he wasn't saying like um i'm going to go do this yeah, you better yeah. watch out you know um but he was quote unquote making a joke not a joke not funny um and uh and the threat against the reporter, who's also a woman, and um, the threat against Pierre Polyev's wife, it's all bad. None of it should happen. Uh, don't condone any of it. Um, Pierre Polyev released a strong statement against Jeremy McKenzie and condemning him uh, after uh, he threatened his wife. Um, which, fair, but... No, I don't know. What was the threat against the reporter? To kill her. Okay, yeah, no, that's not, that's, that's bad too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's just like, stand, like both these things are terrible and good. And it's your wife, I get it, it's personal. Why did it have to become so personal 
before you were willing to say something. Yeah, no, he's threatening to, to kill the reporter, and uh, it's probably something. Yeah, and certainly your response you can, shouldn't you be, can, you well, can, you're a liberal hack, so you deserve it. You can you can definitely condemn it and still say you're a liberal hack, but... Yes, you can. Say, <laughs> it's possible to do two things. Yeah, you know. <laughs> he shouldn't have said he's going to kill you, you liberal hack. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. It's, yeah... It, and so I just feel like he should blunders... have just called you a little bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like blunders like that might. Uh... Oh, and there was another thing with the Quebec MP who resigned. Um, oh yeah, I remember. I heard yeah. This one. Uh, the um, so after he resigned, the Conservative Party sent out a mass text to all people in his riding or all Conservative members in the riding, saying, "Hey, uh, bombard this MP's office, telling him to resign." And so the MP's office was both bombarded because he 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 didn't resign. He resigned from the party. Yes, yes, he resigned from the party. Bombarded him, telling him to resign as an MP. So then his uh, because of this, his inbox answering machine was filled with calls telling him to resign as MP and threatening him and his family. Um, and the Conservative Party's response was, "We apologize for an automated text that was sent out to members of this writing." Like. Indirectly making it seem like it was some AI intelligence who decided stuff like that comes from the top. It, likely. Or at least has to be clear. Even if it wasn't Pierre Polyev's idea, he had to give the go-ahead. You don't. You don't. You do, that type of thing doesn't go, not go through the party. Probably top. not. But you never... I mean, it's definitely not an AI. That's just no. a joke. Nobody yeah. has an AI that, that could... Decides when to yeah. tell people to harass others. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's... But I don't know how high up it necessarily... Regardless, it's not a good look. It's a bad and, and it made a lot of even MPs, specifically Quebec MPs, uncomfortable um, because it is like a, uh, you know, a message of fall in line or else. Yeah. And also... You know, even if he's not a conservative anymore, this is somebody they've served with for a long time. He's got, like, they're friends, right? And they're like, so, that's uh, not great. So, uh, and more stuff like that, um, if it gets bigger. Yeah, you know. well, well, I think... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think he's really stepped in it yet, like the... Oh, no. And I think he has a bit of a, almost a honeymoon period. Yeah. Um because he's a new leader where he can afford to blunder a few times. But I just think if he's pushed, he could step in it. Maybe. We'll see. Um, shifting, the other thing I want to talk about is Quebec, because they have an election on Monday. Um, and it's going to be an interesting one, because the current party is, the current government's going to win. That, that It's not interesting, like, oh, who's going to win? The current party's going to win. I think we've talked about it before. The question is going to be, what are the implications on the other parties? And we have a few. Um, we have Parti Québécois, who uh, currently sit at uh, fourth place in the legislature, I think, but have been the other major party through the last 50 years in Quebec. Yeah. Um, I'll be happy to see them go by the wayside. Me too. Bad memories um, of my youth. They... <laughs> They uh, they look as though they could win as few as one seat, um, which would be devastating. Um, recent polls have actually shown a little more hope they could win three seats. 
Um, but uh, that would be devastating for a party that used to be the other government, you know, like when the liberals were in power, it was particular well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have the Conservative Party of Quebec, which, uh, despite getting, I believe, 2% in the last election, um, is now polling in the uh, high teens, sometimes above 20%. So they are going to be uh, a huge influence in this election um, for the first time ever. And they are a pretty right-wing party. Uh, you have Quebec Solidaire, who is a left-wing party to the left of the NDP. They're a very socialist party. Um, they're, I believe, currently at third in the legislature. Them in Parti Québec might actually be tied. Um, uh, ten seats apiece, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but they are um, looking like they might uh, gain some seats. Um, one or two, like not much. In fact, some projections even have them possibly losing a seat, mm -hmm. um, but might gain some seats. Um, but they've been polling actually better recently and uh, have a shot, much to the chagrin of the other party, at forming the official opposition. The other party is, of course, the Liberal Party of Quebec, who have been the dominant force in Quebec uh, since. I mean, the oldest party in Quebec history, they've governed at various times since the late 1800s, um, and they have been the dominant force of the past 50 years. They've mostly been in government with breaks for the Parti Québécois. Um, in 2018, I believe was the last election. Yeah, four years, that makes sense. 2018, they suffered their worst result ever. Um, the first time they've ever got below 30% of the vote. And now they're looking at potentially as little as fifteen percent of the vote. Wow! They is this is this Trudeau runoff or is it just them? It's just them. Um, bad memories of uh, corruption and everything, and the introduction of the current governing party, the CAQ Coalition uh, Coalition of Near Quebec, or maybe Quebecois. Um, I think Quebecois. Um, they, this is their first time in government. They're hugely popular. Um, and they are not a separatist party. They're a nationalist party, right? And so for a long time in Quebec, your options were separatism or federalism. And if you were not a separatist, you were voting liberal, right? But now there's a party that is center-right, that is nationalist, but not separatist. So it's actually a bit of a coalition between federalists and separatists, but separatists who've kind of accepted that separatism is not happening, at least in their lifetime. Um, and it's a party that has promised not to ever have a referendum on separatism. So now the Liberal Party, which has been a coalition, you know, it's a party where Jean Charest sat at a cabinet table as premier with Tom Mulcair, formerly with the NDP as one of his yeah. ministers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was also a coalition of um, center, you know, right wing to left wing, but they were all federalists, so they worked together. Yeah. So it's a long time now, a party that has, whose ideology and direction has really depended on its leader. Like they, um, back in the quiet revolution in like the 60s, nationalized a bunch of businesses and then under a different leader privatized them all again you know like it's it's a party that has never really had an identity beyond 
staying in Canada. And now that's backfiring because nobody really has a reason to vote for that. Yeah. You know? Um, and now the only thing they really are is the party of Anglophones. And that's that doesn't play well. <laughs> that's the only thing they discernibly are is they're the party that voted against um, very controversial language rights um, that reduced um, the ability of Anglophones. Um, and now these are, you know, these are people who just speak English, largely in Montreal, um, but reduce the ability of Anglophones to function in Quebec. Um, they're the only party that voted against the uh, controversial uh, bill, I believe it was 91, that uh, banned the wearing of religious, any religious symbol um, while working for a public sector job, um, which basically made it so that you can't be both a practicing Muslim woman and a teacher because you couldn't wear your uh, hijab. Um, they're the only party who voted against that, which I actually commend them for, despite the fact that I think they're a pretty lame party. Um, but being known, really, as the party of Anglophones in Quebec... It's not great. No, it's not great. They poll at as low as 3% among Francophones. And obviously in Quebec, you can't win without the Francophone vote. No. Um, the only reason they even have a shot at forming... They could come in uh, third or fourth place in the popular vote and still form the official opposition because they have a bunch of strongholds in Montreal. Right. Um, where, obviously, we have the largest Anglophone population. But they are struggling to make even a dent anywhere else in the province. This is another Provincial Liberal Party dying, like we're seeing in Ontario right now. Yeah. So they need to figure their crap out. Um, Should rebrand the uh, Quebec Law United? <laughs> that's the QU. <laughs> um, but the other thing that's interesting about the Quebec election is, you know, we were talking about first-past-the-post earlier. This is a major first-past-the-post election. So I'm going to run you by some of the polls that have been done recently. Um, these are three recent polls by three completely different pollsters. Yeah. Um, we have the governing CAQ at 34% of the vote, the Conservative Party at 19, the Liberal Party at 16, Quebec Solidaire also at 16, and the Parti Québécois at 12%. That's the first poll. Second poll, CAQ at 35%. And then in a good poll for the Quebec Solidaire, 21%. A good poll for the Parti Québécois, 15%. Behind the Parti Québécois, the Liberal Party at 14%. And then the Conservative Party at 12%. And then, last poll, CAQ at a high of 37%. Quebec Solidaire at 17%. Liberal Party at 16%. Conservative Party at 15%. And PQ at 15%. Now, these are all, the trends of these polls are the CAQ is in the 30s, the mid-30s, yeah. and all the other parties are within just a few points of each other. You know, especially the one where it's 17%, 16%, 15%, 15%, right? And because of first-past-the-post and those pretty even splits, the CAQ could win a uh, 30% of the vote and 70 to 80% of the seats. Wow. That's so, like, just off the charts disproportional. Madness. Crazy. Huge supermajority. 
and that's an example, you know, I think it's a great example of why we need to get rid of first past the post. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know why, why we're so hung up on it here. People don't like change. They're bad with change. Um, but I do think, uh, it just, it feels like they an inevitable change. Wicked. Wait. <laughs> oh boy, that's a good musical. And the last thing I wanted to bring up happened today um, down in the States uh, with uh, Joe Biden. Um, the uh, Biden having a conference on um, food insecurity in the United States. Um, bipartisan people are going there talking about ending hunger. You know, it's a pretty normal event. Um, he said on stage, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. Seeming to refer to a Republican uh, member of the House of Representatives, Jackie Walorski, who died last month in a car crash. Crazy. And his press secretary came out and said um, she was on top of his mind because of all the work she's done in this area. He was lifting her up. Um, he's already planning on meeting with um, his she was her lifting family. Her up saying she must not be here. It, it, yeah, and she's she's he's he's scheduled to meet with her family on Friday, like already. He's really weird. He's really weird. That's uh, that's that's yeah. not great. It's not a good look for someone who's hoping to run again. It's not a good that look. For... Almost disqualifies you from running again. It seems a little uh, dementia. Yeah, yeah it does. Especially as he's like on stage, like looking around. She must not be like, here. She's not. She's Joe, because like, she's dead. Yeah, like a month ago. <laughs> Just a month ago. It's pretty recent, which also makes it look pretty insensitive, and is bad. Like I bet you, unless it was. Him losing his mind, or exactly. like, in which case, he can't run. It's not good, and I bet you um, Democrats across the country are like banging their heads against tables because the midterms are in a month less. Like, and they were like doing, they were doing well. They've been doing against all odds. They've pulled pulled the head of the Republicans in the generic ballot. Um, if even though they're ahead, if they want to hold on to the House of Representatives, because again, first past the foes, yeah. they need to pull ahead more. But if they continue to trend up, they could um, potentially hold the House. If not, make it really hard for Republicans to function by giving them a slim uh, majority. Their only their you only know, saving grace is if it's an anti-Trump vote, it won't matter that he's crazy. But. It's not necessarily an anti-Trump vote yet, though. Not yet, right? Like, that's the thing. And he was hoping to get his two more Democratic senators to um, uh, break the filibuster and be able to do a lot more. Like, they had, they were doing well. They were the underdogs still. But, like, with a bunch of hard work, they might have been able to pull it off. Yeah, not now. I, it, like, it might that's, be enough to tank them. That's a deal breaker. They, they'll you probably... You won't, you, ideally, your president doesn't have... Dimension. <laughs> Dimension. 
And like, even with this, they'll probably still hold on to the Senate. They probably, they might just be limited to only gaining one senator, which isn't enough to break the filibuster because uh, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema won't vote against it. Um, and, and this might totally tank their hopes of retaining the House. Like, it's just, he looks like a confused old man. Yeah. And it's really, and his approval ratings were rebounding. I mean, yeah. he's still disapproved of, but they were coming up. Oh, this might be it. They, he might have just screwed the entire, because it's not only just confused, it's a dead woman who was in the other party. Like, are you sure that, like, is. <sighs> I watched the video. Was, why do they think that's who he's talking about? Um, because, uh, uh, she was, like, a part of, like, the committee and everything, and, uh, um, uh, perhaps more, more context suggested otherwise, um, um, they'd never denied, the press secretary didn't deny it was who she was, who was talking about. You know, a reporter said, uh, gave the quote and was like, did he think she was alive? And he said, no, she, he was just, she was just on top of his mind and she was raising him up and, uh, or he was raising her up. And, uh, you know, praising the work she's done and stuff. <sighs> Which even, okay, even if that's true, it's still a bad look for Biden because it's stupid. Like, it just makes him look like he can't speak. If that's what you want to do, then you say, God rest her soul. Jackie died recently and she's done a lot of yeah. great work here. Thank you. Yeah. You don't say, where's Jackie? Are you here, Jackie? She must not be here. Like, she must not be here. Like, you're sp- like, that that implies you thought she was going to be. Yeah. That's a bad look. And it's I think I think great. Chuck Schumer... It's like, uh, that's, that's like Trump-level nonsense. Yeah. And that must be like, I bet you Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are just banging their heads on walls. It's... And, and they can't even really, because they're so close... They can't criticize Biden that much. No, they got it. They got it. Just pretend it never pretend happened. it never happened for a week, and then they got to get him out of office so he doesn't run again after the midterms. Yeah, yeah, for a month. Yeah, they got to. They got to just. He can't. He can't. He can't. He can't do stuff like that. He's he's had a few moments. There was another video. Yeah, this one I thought super would be. Old. Yeah, there was another video going around though. Um, where I think, and this one's just more excusable because I mean we all have moments, but compared with other things like or uh, contrasted to other things, it just adds to the bad look. Where Biden just gave a speech and like he went to leave the stage and then paused and seemed to like look around confused, um, like he didn't know where he was. Uh, and maybe he did, maybe he didn't, you know. And that's why a video like that by itself, taken out of context, um, who knows? But like when you start stacking these things beside each other, even if all of them aren't you know, like, dementia moments. It's a bad look. It's not great. It's not great. And, I mean, I mean, uh, the other thing is, I, you, it's hard to say, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt him when you have Trump doing it daily for years. Yeah, but... It didn't cause, like, it didn't hurt at all. But it's, uh, it's just not the same party. They just it's, sometimes the Democrats can't win for trying. Like they just don't seem to help themselves. Yeah, and it's also different when you know you're not going to 
like Trump's name isn't on the ballot, very much indirectly is. But if you're in a riding, for example, where you're, say you're an independent and you're it torn up and you're like, yeah, maybe I'll do this. And then you see that and be like, oh, that's bad. And you're like, say your Republican House Representatives candidate is like more on the moderate side. That could do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Not a great day for Joe. No, not a great day for Joe. Um, but we'll see. Maybe, and you know what? Maybe it'll all blow over. We'll see how his meeting with her family goes on Friday. Yeah. If they even go. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if now they're like, you know what? We're good. We don't need to go. That'd be bad for him. It would be very bad. And... They, they probably don't care, given that they're all Republicans. And more than that, that he uh, seemed to have forgotten that someone so close to them passed. And said he, you can't be here or you won't? She be? must not be here. Oh, she must not be here. Like, like it very clearly, very clearly he wasn't like mocking the fact no, no, that she died. He's which, looking for it. Yes. Which is still bad. It's not great. It's, uh, yeah, so we'll see. I... It was such a week, and you could see the press secretary, like, struggling. Like, she knew that this was a, a bullshit, like, story that she was being told to peddle, you know? Like, like, like she was speaking like, you know, she, he, um, uh, he, he, he was top of mind. Um, 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 she was, you know, um, he, um, raising her up and um, celebrating uh, 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 her and uh, uh, he's gonna meet the family on on Friday, and then the reporter was like, "Okay, this is exactly what he said, though. What did he mean?" And she was like silent, and she's like, "As I said, um, she was top of his mind, um, and uh, meeting the family on Friday." <laughs> like, I was like, "Oh, not good, not good at all." Yeah, not good at all. So one other more, a slightly more personal thing than what we've been talking about is uh, it had an interesting September. Yeah, it, it, I'll tell you, it flew by for me. <laughs> I realized the it other is. day, no, it, I would have thought it had been super slow, given the pain you <laughs> I, I, it just, it removed all sense of time. Ah, uh, fair enough. So like, like the other day I was looking back and I saw a post about something to do with um, the date, September 11th, not what we commemorate or uh, remember on September 11th, but just like the date. Um, and I was like, I missed September 11th. <laughs> like on September 11th, I didn't think about 9-11 at all. It, the, the significance of the day just blew by me. And I, and that's when I remembered we're at the end of September and my September like doesn't exist in my brain. Cause we had, we got, uh, we were on vacation at the end of August for a yep. couple weeks. A week. A week. Well, yeah. Well, I was on vacation for two weeks. <laughs> and then, uh, then went back to work the day after Labor Day. And then it turned out uh, three of the four of us got COVID. So uh, uh, 
Mom and I got it for the second time, second time around. My first time. And Dylan got it the first time. Somehow, Madeline avoided it. Yeah, miraculously. But, uh, so she's still one. You and her are tied at one. Mom and I are winning it two apiece. Yeah. So, so the way, so Mom got it first, and then I got it the day after, and then you got it the day after me. Yeah. Something like Something that. Something like that. So then the, uh, so then had five, well, it's sort of four days, fifth day. Still, though, like, I'm still not a hundred, hundred percent. Like, it's... You had four or five days of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you did. So did you, kind no, of. No, no. Well, we no. don't know. No, 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 no. Even if... Well, the other thing that we're going to talk about in a minute, even if that's unrelated to COVID, I still had, like, a week and a half. Oh, yeah? I had a solid ten days. That's because your first time. I was sicker the first time, too. You'll be fine the next time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I had... Um, then you go. And it was almost like a different symptom every day when I had it, because I like I started with body aches really and like feeling gross and not much else, and then the body aches moved away, and then I was getting like um, no, you started the, the, the cough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then like my first like big pain, like I was sore all day, all over, um, and then I moved into but like my nose was clear, and then that and I had the cough all throughout, um, and then I moved into like sore throat, coughing. Um, but I, but my body was better. And then I moved into um, coughing, really stuffed up nose. My throat didn't hurt that much. <laughs> um, and then I was in like the coughing, stuffed up nose, some days a light sore throat, headaches, headaches for um, the, the last like half. Yeah. But I had COVID for 10 days. Then you had your, uh, say, say, you 18 hours? 18 hours of being healthy. Of, of, of relatively healthy. Again, I wasn't fully over it, but like, it was like a cough and a bit of a stuffed nose, but I felt good. I yeah. was working again, you know, like calling people, I could speak. Um, I, I was like, okay, I'm on the, I'm on the back end of this. And then you got, it started with a... It started, you know what? I don't think it started there. What that was the first thing. This, I don't think it was. Oh. I, I, this might be news to you, but like retrospect for me, um, it started with a cookie. <laughs> Story time. It started with a cookie. Um, no, there was, what kind um, of cookie? like one of those ones with like the jam button and the flower in oh, the UK, yeah. they're called jammy Dodgers. Um, <clears throat> pig brains. Yeah. Yeah. Those delicious. Um, and, uh. I remember eating it and like, it was like difficult to eat. Like it felt weird in my mouth, almost painful. And, um, and brushing my teeth had become a little painful. And I thought, oh, I'm, I have any dental work. Like I thought I must have like cavities and stuff, which I, I think I still do. Um, but uh, like, I thought I was gonna like, like need to go to the dentist because I was like in pain eating, right? right. Um, and I think I, and that was for a few days, like while I was working. And when but, I had COVID. Yeah. Like the, the tail end at, of At the COVID. very tail end of COVID. And like when I was Which flossing. Which my theory that it's all related. Yeah, I think it is all related. And when I was flossing, I got a lot of blood. Um, but I just thought, I haven't flossed in a while. Uh, which honestly, the blood might have still been from the not flossing in a while. Um, so I just thought I needed dental work. And, uh, and then... Um, and, and had like a for, for, uh, maybe squeamish listeners, grandma, um, uh, oh yeah, I just told you this, you're fine. Um, but for like, this is a little gross on the inside of my bottom lip, 
I had like a like an inch big mucus filled sack. I don't think it was an inch big, but I, no, it was. It absolutely no, was. You're holding your fingers about a half an inch apart. Oh, okay, fine. Two centimeters. Yeah. Um, that's that's a bad inch. Whatever. Whatever. Let's say two 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 and a half centimeters. Um, two and a half centimeters. I think is an inch. I think it was more like one and a half centimeters. Okay. Regardless, it was a big notice. Big. big for your mouth. Noticeable sack and like filled like not like there's just like some stuff sloshing around in it. Like I could like a blister. Yeah, like I could fit it between my teeth. <laughs> and it's like the blister. Yeah, and like it moved around and it jiggled a bit. It was pretty gross. No, um between your teeth, like your upper and lower jaw. Not between two teeth. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. between my two rows of yeah. teeth. Um because it like it was so large. Um Anyway, so then you came home, and uh, and I was like, I need to go to a walk-in okay. clinic. So we went to a walk-in, um, and they uh, fastest walk-in clinic I've ever Absolutely. been to. Absolutely, dropped him at the walk-in. I went to Canadian Tire, which is down the road. Yeah. How far of a drive? Thirty-second drive, not even. It's maybe <laughs> maybe four hundred meters or something. Yeah. Down the road. When did you I needed two or three things. I've got one, maybe two of them. And you called and said, I'm out, I'm on my way, I'm walking down to meet you. Yeah. Like, it was super fast. Yeah, so I, I, I was never in the waiting room. They immediately put me in, a, in an office. Uh, within a few minutes, the doctor came in. I showed him. He was like, okay. He uh, went, he got something, he drained it, um, uh, told me, uh, not to drink. drink hot liquids for 48 hours and, uh, you know, pat me on the back, sent me on the way. Um, he didn't actually pat me on the back. Um, I, and that was that. And I thought, cool. Yeah. Uh, he at the time, um, uh, well, no, no, when I Googled it, it said uh, it could happen from a, a serious bite on your lip. And um, I... Uh, I had had a bad sleep the night before, so I thought, oh, I guess I bit my lip in my sleep because I just kind of woke up with it, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe he thought it was an um, allergic reaction. He thought so. it was an allergic reaction. It could be an allergic reaction, but I hadn't eaten anything different uh, in the past, so I was just, there was no way it was an allergic reaction. Um, but anyway, thought that was that. Um, and then one day, you know, because I'm still having, like, the pain in my mouth, I went to you. One night, I went to you guys. And the was... next night or the same night as that? I think I'm going to... No, no, night. I think it was the next night. Yeah, it was the next I night. I went to you guys and was like, uh, I, uh, I think I need to go to the dentist. And then the next morning, I came in and, like, my whole mouth was in pain. And I was like, I need to go to the walk-in clinic. <laughs> um, so back we went. Back we went. I saw the same guy who remembered me. Um, he looked in my mouth, and he thought um, it had got infected um, from the the open wound he left in it, um, which I guess fair. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, at the time I was like, well, he should have sort of warned us that that yeah, like was there a way that we was there something we should have been doing to stop the infection. So he gave you antibiotics and um, mouthwash called, like, magic mouthwash. Yeah. And to, like, describe, like, sort of what was going on, uh, I couldn't eat because it was too painful. 
to have to like have anything in my mouth, even drinking sort of stung a bit. Um, but it wasn't terrible yet. Like that was it. I just, I just couldn't eat. Other than that, it was kind of fine. Um, so we got me a booster juice, which I pretty much drank no problem. That was my meal. Uh, it, it, it wasn't fantastic, but I, I managed it. Um, and, uh, I, I did a day of antibiotics. I did, took two pills every six hours. Um, four, 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 day, four, two, four times two. What? No, no, it was two times four. Four sets, four times in the day. Four times a day, two pills, two pills each time. Yeah. So yeah. That's what it says. Is it? Okay, great. Um, anyway, and then um, the day after that, um, Which so is now no, the weekend. That again. was that was because there was more time in here. I think by the end, even by the end of that day, it wasn't great because I um, I made myself some oatmeal, I think, at the oh, end of the oh. day. And the other thing the doctor said was he made another point for it. That was a... Oh, yeah. He it said... It was either a Friday or a Saturday. I think it was a Friday. He made another appointment for you on Tuesday. If it wasn't better. And said, uh, come in on Tuesday. I want to take a look. If it's not any better, I'm going to send you to the ER. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so yeah, I did the booster juice. Um... And, uh, I think the, yeah, I did the booster juice and, um, uh, I think I had like really watered down oatmeal. Um, that was, that might have been the next day. Cause the, the next day I went to booster juice again and you did some oatmeal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, that was, was a Saturday. It. So I, um, so we got the, we got the antibiotics, I guess. Friday night. Friday night. So I did, um, I took like the 6 p.m. And then the midnight, and then the six a.m. And then the, maybe I did like I thought I only did four doses, but maybe I did. No, I like, think you did two days. Like, I thought you did more than four. I think I maybe did like one and a half, six or eight or something. Yeah, yeah. one and a half, six or eight doses. Yeah, that's the only way this lines up. Um, anyway, regardless, took a lot of I had taken quite a few antibiotics. Um, so then I had a date the next day, and it was worse. It was worse the next day. My lips were like dying, cracked, um, like dead skin. Bleeding occasionally. Your nose was a little bit plugged, right? So uh, breathing through your mouth. Um, no, it was because um, I mean, my nose is always kind of a little bit plugged, but uh, my mouth was in such a bad place. Like, oh, I wasn't closing my mouth. You couldn't close your mouth. Um, uh, nor could I open my mouth much. Like it hurt. Yeah. Like my mouth just kind of sat slightly open, and uh, oh, and you know what the other big thing was? My lips were super swollen. Yeah. My lips were very swollen. Um, so because that, I was breathing through my mouth a lot when I slept, obviously, um, and just in general. Um, so that next day, I didn't eat a lot. I I had water. I tried the mushy oatmeal. And we did another booster and juice. And we did another booster juice, but I couldn't try and finish it. I drank yeah. up, up, uh, eight. Yeah, it was the wrong kind. Yeah, we, we tried a different kind, and it, it just it was, it was it was worse. And I thought it might just be the ingredients. Um, so anyway, the next day... Um, we, uh, tried another booster juice and it, uh, and it was the same one. It was worse again. My mouth hurt more. I was in a lot of pain. Um, and then beyond that, um, I was, uh, tired. I mean, 
You describe it. I kind of only have vague memories. I was so out of it. Yeah, you were exhausted. Like, just very exhausted and, and like, just ashen. So then I, I said, do you, you know, maybe we should just go to Merge. Yeah, and, and there was, and no. it was, yeah, and it was, the, you did bring me another booster juice. That was the kind I was able to drink successfully yeah. before, and I couldn't really get that down. And so then we ended up, because I sort of, we decided that we were going to go to Merge because... Why wait till Tuesday when he's just going to send us there anyway? Yeah, so, and I was on the verge of passing out. And we went, like, so we went to a merge, and probably one of the, it was pretty busy. It was busy, and we got in pretty quickly. So that's they, not something you want. <laughs> merge, but. They were they were clearly concerned about me. Yeah, um, I uh, I was like I don't think I overstate like both like in pain, but I think the biggest thing that day was how tired. Like I cried on the car ride over there because I was just so tired i could not keep myself together yeah. and uh and uh they they were clearly like worried about me and uh yeah, yeah. we asked how long it, or maybe i asked how long it was gonna take i think and they were like we're gonna we, we're waiting for a bit to open up but we're gonna get you in pretty quick yeah. <laughs> and yeah that's not what you want so then we got in there and uh great nurse great doctor mm -hmm. uh second diagnosis yeah um he thought it was a crap ton of cold sores. Cankers. Cankers, yeah. And like, like, like a lot. Yeah, he's uh, sort of never seen it before. Uh, can't yeah. imagine the pain you're in. Yeah, but it's not great when the doctor says, I can't imagine the pain you're in. Yeah. Like, so they were like... And also, dehydrated. Yes. That was, I think, another big thing. And, and I think the dehydration was probably the biggest thing, but also, and in the past 48 hours had a booster juice in a bit and mushy oatmeal. Yeah, so they they, they hooked you up to an IV that With, uh, uh, had some painkillers in it. And, yeah, and, and, and mostly hydrating fluids. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then that, you were leaving there probably three hours after we got there. Which three or four. You were in way better shape. Yes. Just with the IV. Yes, I felt better. And then, and then the other thing he said, so he diagnosed his cankers, which was, uh, yeah, and then he's, he's basically prescribed Tylenol and Advil. Two Tylenol and two Advil every six hours. Extra strength. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's a thousand milligrams of Tylenol, 400 of Advil. Yeah. And that goes well beyond what the bottles recommend. Um, so that just goes to show, I think, how bad it was. And steroids. And he gave me steroids. Um, and I, I should mention, like, this was along my gums, on my tongue, and my cheeks. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then because of everything else, my lips were swollen and, like, rotting. Yeah. Like, I felt like I had the mouth of a dead person. Um, and, yeah, so he gave me uh, steroids, a week of steroids, because he said there's evidence they help. Um, and the Olympics, that week. They, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and they gave me the first dose uh, at the hospital, and then they gave me, um, uh, prescribed me four other doses that we had to go pick up. Yeah. The um, interesting thing with steroids was uh, they only come in fives and fifties, and yeah. your dose was 40. Yeah. So you take eight pills. Yeah, eight tiny pills, which was not fun when I'm struggling to swallow things, yeah. first of all. And... Like, why not just give you a 50 milligram dose? Yeah. And um, they were revolting. It was like eating a bunch of chalk. Yeah. 
They were really. I don't supposed to eat them. Don't recommend steroids. But they would probably sit in your mouth uh, longer than if you. Yeah, like dissolving because I can't get them down. Yeah, because of the, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was bad. And then um, we made an appointment with our family doctor. No, well, I will say there was. Um, they he also suge- he he suggested. Oh, that was the, the, f- the first guy had uh, prescribed a mouthwash, the magic mouthwash that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, that came late because we had to go to like a special pharmacy to get it made. Um, and it's supposed to swish it around for 15 seconds. I put it in my mouth. I think I lasted about three seconds before I was like crying because it hurt so much. And I spit it out and then like rinsed with water to try to get it out of my mouth more, uh, which also hurt the water adding it. Like, like that, it was awful. I, I could not do it. It's still in our fridge, actually. We should get rid of that. Um, but, uh, and then, um, so, so anyway, the ER doctor um, uh, suggested an over-the-counter. Just a, um, it's not a, wasn't a pain though, just a hydrating. Yeah, mouthwash. yeah, because he, he said, you know, keep hydrated. And I drank a lot of water. And I was still, I, I think, um, drinking my regular amount of water that normally keeps me hydrated while I was sick. Um, but, because I was breathing through my mouth, it was and dehydrating. You were eating. But the, the, and the other eating. thing they said was insure, which really I think saved you over that time. Mm-hmm. The protein drinks, which we should have thought of. Yeah, we absolutely should have. Um, but yeah, so I was living on chocolate. I was having just like chocolate. It is like chocolate milk protein drinks. They insure, um, and that was it for the first while. And I drank a pack of those, and then I was like, "Can uh, I need more? And can we get like some more flavors this time?" Because <laughs> I was. Uh, a little tired of the chocolate, and I end up with a uh, vanilla strawberry and chocolate. The strawberry were surprisingly good. It sounds um, horrible. It does. Yeah. I didn't think, but like uh, even Madeline tried one a sip, and she was like, "That's pretty good." It's like that pink chocolate milk, uh, like the brown cow that came. Yeah, in yeah. It's not. I like. I wasn't expecting it to be great. I wasn't expecting either of them to be great, but I was like, I need the variety. I can't. Yeah. I can't just do the chocolate milk. Um, but I ended up like mixing the chocolate and the strawberry. Uh, which was also pretty good. Um, the like vanilla, yeah, the vanilla was definitely the worst one, but even that was fine. Um, and so I lived off those for a while. Um, and then a couple days later, we made an appointment to see your fa- the family yeah. doctor, but you were much better. I was much, much better. Um, I was even starting, I had eaten some solids by then. Um, like, like solids in the loosest sense. It was like mashed potatoes, mashed squash. Uh, I think I'd gotten down some like rice stuff nothing i really had to chew um mostly stuff i could with a utensil put at the back of my throat and just swallow um and even that wasn't easy it was possible yeah. and i did it because i was dying for solid food um but even even then i wasn't regularly eating solid food i was yeah. mostly Once still in the dinner, yeah. just at dinner really and then um, he had the third diagnosis which was Cold sore, cold sore virus that he said the first time it hits bad. you get really but, bad but admitting he he admitted you know i'm not looking at the same mouth because you are much better now so yeah. i don't know what it was in the beginning yeah i think and and no but what's interesting is none of them thought it had anything to do with your covid yeah but we googled it and it's like a symptom yeah there's an article that said uh 20 of people um can get um uh oral symptoms that have to do with sores, lesions, which is exactly that kind of thing. what you had. So which is exactly what I had that came at the at right. the very end of yeah. my COVID. So that's what I think it is. I I think so. 
So, and, and this is worth mentioning. Um, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm like 99.9%, but still, um, I still have a bit under my tongue and uh, all my taste buds haven't grown back yet. Um, so I, I'm, I'm still not even a hundred percent. I would say today is the first day I've been able to speak without a lisp ever. Like yesterday I was doing calls um, for my job and- uh, Which starts in five minutes, so we should probably- end Oh, this. does it really? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm wrapping up. Um, but, uh, but with my job and like every like S, not even every, but like every few S or TH, I was like- Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, so I, I think it was COVID. So basically I was sick the almost the entire month of September. Yeah. I basically had totally. three weeks. We're glad to see that in the rear view. Of being sick. Don't jinx me. Yeah. Well, we're glad to see September in the rear view. <laughs> anyway, that's the podcast for this time. Uh, thanks for listening. And we will, I won't say next week, but we'll talk at you again next time. Yeah.